It doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen in just one board meeting, but it does happen with getting the board first comfortable with the vernacular. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Friday, so this is our hashtag one hero episode. In these episodes, we highlight and celebrate a blog post and contributor from our community and discuss topics surrounding sales, marketing, and customer success. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Here again, we're joined with somebody amazing who has been in the trenches and is leading the pack. We have Megan Leaders, who is the CMO of Zenos on the podcast today. And we're going to talk about something something that people are thinking about, but are not really focusing on. And we're going to talk about how do CMOs take the board level conversation and get them ready, especially when it comes to ABM or new form of metrics and management. So we're going to go really into really big deal conversation when it comes to board level thought process. So Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Megan, uh, we've started this new tradition now on the Flip Uncle podcast, get to know people and, and share something personal. So can you share one fun fact about you, personal or professional? Sure, happy to. And this is the, definitely up a marketer's alley. So my fun fact is that my son and I are the faces of Pampers, newborn swaddlers, diapers. Whoa. So, yes. So if you pick up a box of newborn diapers, buy the Pampers swaddlers, and you'll see my son. That photo was taken when he was six weeks old. And then on the corner of that box, you'll see my shoulder. And a <laughs> And so there is our claim for fame for life. And I try to tell everyone about this because I have no idea the shelf expectancy of those boxes. Wow, that is amazing. So next time, well, now my kids are grown up now. So I don't, uh, I'm happily not going through that aisle anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many diapers we have bought. Like it's gazillion. But wow, that's a, I have never heard that before. This is amazing. I bet. I bet that is definitely one that only six babies can claim right now for pamper swaddlers. There were only six babies that were chosen for all six sizes of the diapers. That is crazy. I'm going to ask a follow-up question to that. Even though I know we're going to go into a really amazing topic, I think I have to ask this question. What was the process for this? It's something that was foreign to me. So it was a, they did a casting call and they had sent, the ad agency had sent emails out to several groups. And I had some friends that were on the recipient receiving side of it. And they said, hey, Megan, they're looking for babies from newborn to age three. And they did a casting call at a local hotel, but they never announced what it was for. They never said, oh, this is for Pampers. It just said a national brand is doing a casting call and here's when and where to be. And it was a very small motel actually in Austin and took a picture of the baby. And then they called me back a week later and asked if I could come back for the second part of a photo shoot. And I did. And when I got there, it was at a house and I said, can you now tell me what this is for? And lined up on the wall were a bunch of Pampers diaper boxes. And they said they're updating those boxes. And that's how I found out what it was for. And then I actually did not hear for two years later that we were selected. That's how long it took for them to select the photos, 
make the boxes and put them into production and get it ready to uh, to leave the manufacturing floor. But I, that's when I was told. Wow, that is fascinating. All right, so back to the CMO board level, okay. <laughs> which seems like you know uh, a pretty important topic. But man, that is an incredible, incredible insight into the process. So you know, Megan, obviously you have been in this role. You have had amazing career as a marketer. Kudos to you. And and I think obviously what 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 we were talking before we started to record this is that marketers are, are today seems like are struggling with having a board level conversation, especially in the light of doing account-based marketing. The the metrics have changed, the thought process have changed a little bit. And when it comes to board and CEOs, it is an incredibly challenging, almost uphill battle as I hear from a lot of our customers and, and marketers out there when it comes to a new way of measuring success. So doing is one thing, measuring is another. Are you seeing that? And if so, how are you addressing that? I think you're spot on in saying that it's kind of a, a brand new way forward. And the first and foremost step is that the marketer themselves, as well as the marketing team, has to be engaged and on board with what that new process will be. And before that conversation can be taken to the board, as much as we're all eager beavers and we want to just go present and showcase, here's the new the new way of being um, a kind of a first class and more modern marketer, you have to start with your team. But more than that, you've got to get fundamental consensus with the management team. And so this is where that partnership and this holy grail world that we aspire to live in between sales and marketing really come into play. And anybody that has to go present to a CEO or to a board will be a lot more successful if they do it in tandem or in partnership with their biggest partner in crime, which in most cases, it's your your head of sales. But one thing I will say that ABM certainly does that changes that conversation to expand beyond just the VP of sales is that it extends into a different side of the organization being customer success. And that fundamental understanding of how strategic a CMO or VP of marketing needs to be to getting that kind of that ground level acceptance and understanding and agreement that this is where we want to take that next step in our journey of growing the pipeline together and in tandem with each other has to be cemented before we can move upstream to a CEO and then ultimately to that board level. That is so true. I love the fact that you kind of up level this conversation, not just marketing and sales, but customer success. And we hear that all the time, especially if you're a CMO who, who has a revenue number. And now I want to qualify that. Most marketers that I talk to or CMOs I talk to, they have an acquisition number. Their job is pretty much demand generation, top of the funnel, and hey, you need to bring in more leads and there's a conversion number and, and there there you go. That's what you do. And on the side, you do, do branding and lead gen and, uh, and some of those other activities. But for the most part, you are an acquisition target. And what you're talking about is that almost feels like a modern CMO or um, or thinking about your partnership with not just the sales organization, but also with customer success. Tell me more about this. How how are you seeing that happen more often? Do you see this is kind of a trend, or you feel like well, this has to happen? Well, I I think the has to happen is fundamentally it's what our businesses are requiring us to do if we're going to be successful as we grow forward. And marketers have, I believe, one of the toughest jobs in the book because our business and the way we conduct our business has changed so much over the years. You said it, right? We're in charge of branding and content and website and operations. Oh, and by the way, we got to generate leads and then we got to generate demand. 
But now we got to do this thing called be responsible for the pipeline. And there is a number and there is a level of accountability to the success of that pipeline actually closing that now needs to seep into all of our MBOs and our strategic initiatives. And it has to be something that, again, it's shared because while we may not, we as a marketing may not ultimately be responsible for closing a deal, we as a marketing are absolutely strategic in how quickly and how expansive that deal can grow to be, as well as how quickly it can transact. And then once that deal is secured with the partnership with customer success, how do we expand it? How happy do we keep that customer? And that happens not in a vacuum and just by a department called customer success. It has to happen in conjunction with marketing. And the conversation has certainly changed over the last few months. It's gotten a lot more commonplace, but over the last year to year and a half, we've certainly needed to look at marketing, the marketing discipline and say all those things that we were traditionally responsible for, none of that changes. We just need to layer on this new element and it's called pipeline and true revenue responsibilities. But again, it's not done just by marketing. It's done in tandem with sales and with customer success because with, you know, customer success is all about usually the after sale and the afterlife of getting that customer born. And what's required for that birth to even happen is driving them through the pipeline and having that active conversation. And ultimately all of that culminates with how that lead was generated in the first place, oftentimes by marketing. Love it. I know this is something that most marketers probably don't think about, uh, but me as a co-founder of a company, I've learned to, through pain is a health of a business is defined by two primary things. One is how amazing you are from a brand and acquisition perspective, but and that's where a lot of people stop. But then the other part, which is what you're talking about, is the retention, how good of a company you are when it comes to retaining. And both of them, if you think about it, the color of money is still green on both sides. If you can drive revenue on either one of those, you can have an incredible impact on the business. So I love that we are pretty, really lockstep sync on it. Now, I want to get into the board level conversation, which which I think is a real challenge. And I'm curious how far deep we can go into this, this topic. How do you prepare as a CML for board level conversations, especially putting your hat of, of doing ABM, which is so new? So I think my first piece of advice and, and certainly the play that I had to run here at Xenos is that it's gradual. It's not overnight. And you suddenly, even if you're a brand new CMO to the organization or you've been there for 10 years, it's something that overnight, this is not a light switch that suddenly gets turned on. The, the focus on traditional marketing and how do we build the brand and how do we amplify our voice and how do we generate demand, that, that stuff still has to happen. And if you switch that off or turn that dial down too far too low, a board is not going to understand what you're trying to say on the other side of the coin, which is I'm only focused on these strategic and targeted accounts. The board has been used to for years and we've all been conditioned to it. And fundamentally, we're all still doing these traditional forms of marketing. And we still have to show some level of accountability and progress and return on that investment and see how that generates pipeline. But it needs augmented. And that conversation is something that, again, it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen in just one board meeting, but it does happen with getting the board first comfortable with the vernacular, just introducing them to the words that we will be using in upcoming board meetings, introducing them to what ABM means 
And in my case, you know, sometimes that was met with an investment in technology, preparing the engine to run a little bit faster or to run a little bit deeper or wider. But it also happens in, in parallel with a conversation around what we're doing within the organization to prepare outside of operations, but our own accounts and how we're thinking about who we're going to be targeting in the future. And those were gradual, progressive conversations. Again, the first one was all about just terminology and a vocabulary. And then you layer on another quarter later, what else do I need to introduce the board or to your executive team with? And again, in in my case, it was an operational discussion because that needed to happen before I was able to tell them, oh, we're up and running and this is how we're doing it. It was going to be too much at one time. And I also didn't have any proof for results. And with ABM, I think all of us can attest to it. It is not an overnight process. And sometimes it takes quite some time to see the same type of result or actually statistically enough sound results to be something that everybody suddenly is high-fiving and saying this is a, is a huge success. That is such an incredible insight. I'm now curious, Megan, as to why, you know, were you always thinking about doing ABM or is that something that the business moved or changed uh, that made you think about ABM as a way to go? Or is there a specific segment, which sometimes I do hear that, hey, look, this part of the business requires us to go do ABM more than this because this is more enterprise and this is more transactional. The other one is more transactional. I'm just curious as to what is your case for anybody listening right now who might be in marketing and sales or thinking about ABM, like what is your case for doing ABM? So what I'll tell you is uh, over the course of my career, I've worked at transaction-based companies in the B2B realm and as well as very large enterprise companies that were very targeted as to who we needed to go after. And I think there is a play for ABM in all of those arenas, but in a transaction-based business, it's, it's much smaller a piece of the equation than it will be, let's say, if you have a very targeted set of customers that you want to go after. And that typically results in all the revenue that you're going to generate is from you know 10 to 100 accounts for the year. So I think there is a place for it in all B2B companies, but I think the scale of which it exists could very dramatically based on who your target is. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the scale is really in- interesting. I don't see I, I don't see most companies just going in saying we are 100% pivoting ABM and stopping everything doing. And I think you can you can scale at it. If you could, Megan, could you give us a outline of what your ABM scorecard kind of looks like? Sure. And funny enough, it's actually truly a dashboard in Salesforce. Um, so we've actually built. We had to have some sort of consistent set of metrics that I could share, and it was universal and visible to everyone in the organization on the management team. And so structured in that dashboard are things that I extract from Terminus or from other tools that we're using. And it's all it all just gets culminated and put into our dashboard that what's on our scorecard are what you would expect to think when I think ABM, what are the types of tiers of accounts that I'm going after? How many of those accounts do I have? And then I'm starting to look at some of those, I'd say consistent metrics that we may be hearing more and more frequently out in the ABM marketplace, which was how many contacts do I have? What type of awareness do I have within those accounts? What's my engagement level? Do I have some sort of activity threshold that I'm meeting with these accounts, but not with these accounts? Where are these people coming from? You know, what programs am I running? ABM programs am I running that I'm starting to see some traction on? So a lot of those elements are all visible on our dashboard and again, is shared. Now, within each one of those, I'd say, areas of focus, I can double click down and get pretty granular to understand what's working, where it's working and why it's working there. And in other cases, it's at an aggregate level. 
for a board level conversation, the interest is still at the highest level, which is, you know, what's your pipeline? What's your revenue? How many accounts am I, am I targeting and how many are resulting in closed ones? Those are still going to be at, at the highest level of interest from whether I'm just talking about traditional marketing or, or ABM, but how I categorize it and how I achieve those results vary dramatically and having that conversation and kind of the data to support both paths I took to result in that that close to one outcome is where the storyline and kind of the creativity comes to how I present that. This is fascinating. I know most people are right now thinking probably they, how do we how do we get a copy of what you're talking about? Because I think if you're building something that doesn't exist, am I right? That is 100% correct. It did not exist. And, you know, a year ago, it did not exist. I would say I I knew what I wanted. It was just a matter of how was I going to get there. And um, it's something that, you know, everything takes a little bit of trial and error, but there's 12 quadrants on our dashboard. And each one of those has a degree of interest, whether I'm the sales manager that's trying to hold my reps accountable for the tiered accounts that they own and what type of activity and engagement are they trying to achieve within those accounts up to what are the programs that are driving the largest amount of, of results. And then where do I have some gaps? But on that those 12 metrics of the dashboard, I can see all of that. And again, I can double click down to get more granular. Wow. And how often do you share this with your sales team, your executive team or board or... Is that like, what's the frequency? Well, everyone, The first and foremost, it was required that everybody had visibility. So if you had a login to our CRM, you had visibility into this dashboard. The folks that we meet with most closely, I'll meet with my peers on the management team, but within the sales directors level, both our direct sales, but also our expansion and, and customer success teams, we meet to where we can review this data. And would love to say it's every week, but it's more like every other week that we will go through more detail about this. Very cool. So what's the reaction from the board so far? I mean, this is a new set of metrics that you're putting together. You're creating a new dashboard, something that they're not used to. You are pulling things together, which I think is, is phenomenal. There's not really a tool out there today that can can truly show ABM success. And we would like to be one of them at some point. And, and we are moving in that direction. But I, I feel like there's so much of the stuff is getting pulled from so many different directions to create a case and show value for it. What is the reaction of the board? And as we wrap this up, I'd love for you to kind of share what advice do you have for people and CMOs and marketing teams today who are trying to build a case for ABM and, and, and they're trying to pull this together, which is, again, is, is you're clearly alluding it, it takes work. What advice would you give them and how, would, how should they go about it? I think the, the biggest piece of advice, and it would also likely coincide with what the board would say, is that this is, this is just the next phase of marketing. So this isn't just like digital, right? That was another phase that we all experienced, you know, 15 years ago. This is another big phase that we will all add to our list of talents that we, we have suddenly achieved over, over the course of some period of time. And it is, it's not an end destination. This is just kind of a course of action. And so if we treat it that way, it's now just an element of the overall story that we have to paint every month or every quarter, whether it's to the management team or to the board. This is another aspect of how we build our brand and we extend our voice and we drive more interest to our organization. It's one more notch in our belt, but it's nothing that has an end result that says, says I've achieved it and now I can move on to the next big thing. This is just something that we do. The end result will be seen in how much pipeline I generating through traditional activities 
as well as now augmented with my ABM activities. But what I hope happens over the next, you know, 12 months or so is that there's much more of a blending of those traditional functions into our ABM efforts. And I think for a long time, marketers might have been siloed in thinking I've got to have specific ABM programs and only my ABM accounts can be participating in those programs. But what we're seeing more and more is that there's a a blend and a complementary aspect to the programs we're running traditionally and how they can be really blurred into some ABM campaigns or programs or elements that we are also running. Events is a great example of that, where I I know I'm going to show up for an event. I know I'm going to have a great booth and I know I'm going to generate a thousand leads. But ABM plays a massive, massive benefit into that event by saying, I have a distinct goal to get 25 meetings with these targeted tier one and tier two accounts at that event. And that's what defines success. And now I've got two parallel streams of measurement of the success of that one program, both from a traditional perspective? How many booth scans did I get? And did I convert any of those to the opportunities and so forth? But now what happened with those 25 meetings that I set up with these tier one and tier two accounts? And where are they progressing? And how quickly are they progressing through that pipeline? Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So to wrap up, I think here, I took a whole bunch of notes as always. I hear a few things that I think are really, really interesting. First thing, when it comes to board level conversation, I think what you started off saying was that get your team bought into it. It's not a silo. It's not a superhero kind of thing. You have to get your team, your executive team, your marketing team, and your sales team, all of them aligned that this is the new way. This is how we're going to pull it. And this is another layer of our reporting. So I, I think that's important. I think a lot of people are treating it as a, a let's just try this on a side and, and not really bring in in the complete marketing program. So I think that was a great, great, great feedback on that for people. The other one, and, and you shared this, and I, I totally agree, this is a gradual process. And one of the biggest challenges that I've seen with marketing organizations is they are either taking a very hard line and saying, hey, we need to go ABM first. Well, as Terminus, we would love for people to do ABM, but I truly believe that the best companies who are doing ABM today are taking the gradual approach, a pilot approach, and they're making sure that they're able to show success with small but really big steps in the direction of aligning sales marketing management team along with the metrics that you just shared, and at the same time, keeping the other functions of the business running so that when time comes, you have enough credibility to say, hey, if you have the next dollar coming in, and if I have a choice, here's where I will put in. That choice can only come to you if you have data points to show that. So I'm, I'm glad you shared how you started with the gradual and making sure everybody's very, very aware of it. And the last one of, of the many great points was building your own ABM scorecard. I think you are a pioneer, if you don't know that, of building an ABM scorecard, because that is not something that exists today. And, and many people are trying to do that. And there's a hodgepodge of many things, but it's amazing that you have these 12 quadrants with all these metrics out there that you, your team, your sales, and everybody can look at as often they want. But that, that was phenomenal. Megan, anything else that I missed that you want to share as we wrap this up? I think you, you summarized it very well. I think as marketers, this is probably the most exciting time to be in marketing. And whether we're managing millennials or managing the generation of my age group, this is this is pretty exciting stuff. And it's really where it blends creativity and analytics and content together to really go out and touch accounts differently than we ever have before and, and have the proof and the results to show for it. So it's pretty exciting if I'd say one of the most exciting times in, to be a marketer. I love that. I, I can't believe that that should be the finish. That should be the opener of this thing. This is absolutely one of the most exciting times to be a marketer. Megan, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. 
To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.